Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. All right, let's uh, get into God's Word this morning. And I hope you have a Bible with you available. And if so, take your Bible, open it to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's going to be my text this morning. I've entitled my message, Spring Always Conquers Winter. Now, if you're like me, I, I, I think of weird stuff. Like, why did Jesus rise from the dead in the spring? Why did God choose spring? For Jesus to rise from the dead. God knew many, many years ago, centuries ago, even from the creation of time, that the Passover would take place in Israel's springtime. Why did God choose spring? Well, I believe that spring is the time of new life. I love the spring. There's something about the warmth of the sun in the spring when I'm out in my yard. Uh, The bleakness of winter has been overtaken by the vibrant colors of flowers coming into bloom. I love spring. Uh, You're seeing some pictures that I took. These are trees, flowering trees in my neighborhood, and they just are so vibrant this year. I believe that God chose spring that God chose spring for the resurrection to take place because spring shows that God's life always conquers death just as spring always conquers winter. Jesus broke death. He conquered death in the spring as a way of showing that God's life will always conquer death. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Jesus' followers in the first century. This letter was delivered to a church in a town called Corinth. We have it in our Bibles as 1 Corinthians. And in chapter 15, Paul spends a great deal of time talking about the resurrection. Um, And I'm going to read just a portion of this. So if you have your Bibles, look at chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Paul said this, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, although I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. And then Paul spends many, many paragraphs talking about Jesus' resurrection and how it applies to our resurrection. But he concludes with these words. And these are the words I want to focus on today. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I want to tell you about Jessie this morning. Jessie didn't have an easy life. She was born in the 1930s in the middle of the Great Depression. She went to high school and then married shortly thereafter. Her husband served in World War II. Before he went away to the military, they had three boys together. But when he came home from the war, he was not the same. Something happened to Jesse's husband. Now, something happens to all men and women who serve in wartime. It's, you, you can't leave it the same. But, but with Jesse's husband, it was different. And I don't know exactly when the abuse started, but it went on until one day Jesse had had enough, and the police had to remove her husband from their home for her protection and for the protection of her three boys. Now, think about this. A single mom raising three boys in the 1940s and 50s. Today, a single mom raising three boys, it's hard. But in the 1940s and the 1950s, it was so much harder. Jessie was an exceptional woman. She had to get employment. So she found a job at the local five and dime store. And she worked there for almost 28 years before she retired. Jessie was a believer, a true follower of Jesus Christ. She was committed to Jesus and committed to the church. And she raised her boys in the church. But it wasn't easy for Jessie. Her sons went on. One became the chairman of the Department of Philosophy, Anthropology, and Sociology at a state university. One became a missionary. The third worked for GE in their computer department, and all three of her sons continued to follow Jesse, or continued to follow Jesus due to Jesse's influence. Jesse has 10 grandchildren, of which three are pastors or pastor spouses, and two are missionaries. Now, Jesse's middle years were easier than her early years as the boys became more independent as they grew, finally got married and left the house. Jesse's life became easier. And she devoted herself very much to helping others, to her job, and of course to her church. She even painted on the side. She had a much easier life in her latter years. After she retired, she spent many, many, many years driving her friends to doctor's appointment, to shopping, and to restaurants to take advantage of the senior discounts that they had. These were the happy, healthy years for Jessie. But age takes her... To takes its toll. Jesse's body slowed down and her always sharp mind started to go. It got to the point where she could no longer care for herself in her own home and so an assisted living apartment became necessary and Jesse moved in there. And that was okay for a few years, but things began to happen. Fear began to set into Jesse. She couldn't remember if she had eaten that day. She couldn't remember if Meals on Wheels had delivered a meal or not. And finally the fear got so bad that no one was allowed into her apartment. Even when Meals on Wheels came, she wouldn't even let them through the door. Every time that one of the boys or their wives called, they became more and more concerned because her mind was slipping and the fear was rising. But it all came to a head one day when the assisted living complex had a fire drill. And Jesse refused to leave her apartment. She would not get out. She would not let anybody in. And finally, it became apparent Jesse could no longer live on her own. One of the sons and his wife 
took her into their home. It was difficult for them, but they were glad to be able to care for Jesse. But things continued to decline. Jesse's memories were, were blurred. Her abilities to recognize and to do things on her own were getting less and less. And physically, she began to deteriorate. The once vital woman, the woman who used to help everybody else, now needed to be helped. And this lasted for a few months, even a couple of years, before finally even Jesse's son and daughter-in-law were no longer able to care for her. And the hard decision was made that she need to be placed in a nursing home. A quick wit, a vital mind, an active life now had moved into the late winter of her life. Then only after a few months in the nursing home, it became necessary for Jesse to be hospitalized. In the hospital, she could no longer eat. She just laid there, but one day, she looked up. Her daughter-in-law was in the room with her. She looked at her, recognized her, and said, I love you, and then fell asleep, never to wake up again. But in that moment, the winter of death gave way to the spring of eternity. In that moment, when Jesse breathed her last, life didn't end. Just the winter of her life ended. That time when her body had worn down, her mind could no longer focus, the memories were no longer there. All of that gave way to a spring of eternal life because in that moment when she breathed her last here, she saw Jesus face to face. The woman who fell asleep as an old, frail woman woke in the presence of Jesus alive and vital because of eternal life, because of the life that Jesus gave her, because death had lost its sting. And she was now walking in victory. I believe that God chose to have his son rise from the dead in the spring because that's when the earth is coming back to life. That's when new growth is seen on the trees and new flowers are popping out of the ground. When winter's sleep is giving away to spring's life. After 88 years of life on earth, death came to Jesse. But the winter of death was only the passage to the springtime of life. Jesse moved from life to eternal life on March 14th. It's been over 18 years since Jesse passed away, but still she's enjoying that life with her Savior, Jesus Christ, in eternity. Jesse Richards is Sherry's grandmother, her father's mother. And she was one who, because of her influence, because of her dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ, influenced Sherry's dad, who influenced Sherry, and had an influence on our family because she chose to follow Jesus. Jesse experienced on the day of her death what all followers of Jesus Christ will someday experience, the truth of the Scripture, which we already read, death is swallowed up in victory. Just as spring always conquers winter, life conquers death for the believer. No longer does death have a sting. The empty tomb is a reminder that winter will always be conquered by spring. The empty tomb is a reminder that death 
gives way to new life for followers of Jesus Christ. Every follower of Jesus has a spring ahead of them of victory. Maybe the body is slowing and the mind is failing. And you or someone you love has moved into the winter of their life. But remember, remember, spring is just around the corner. Oh, follower of Jesus, winter doesn't last. That's good news. That's the good news of Easter. The good news of the resurrection. But for the one who doesn't choose to follow God, or for the one who has turned their back on God and gone their own way, death still has a sting. Spring will not conquer winter for them. Death will still reign and will not be swallowed up in victory. Let me tell you about another woman who died March 14, 2002. She too experienced the slowing down of her body, her mind and her memories becoming cloudy and vague. She too experienced the winter of her life surrounded by children that loved her and grandchildren, people that were concerned about her. But this lady lived life for herself. She chose not to follow Jesus, even though she called herself religious and spiritual. Death came to her also on March 14th. But her death did not lead to this new springtime. It led to eternal winter. Not eternal life. This woman stood before Jesus too on March 14th. But there was no welcome from Jesus. When she stood before him, she saw him with sadness in his eyes and regret in his voice when he looked at her and said, I do not know you. And this woman, who considered herself spiritual, who considered herself religious, but really didn't have time to devote to Jesus, she believed that all I need to do is be a good person. This person find her, found herself facing an eternity apart from God in the eternal winter of pain, and agony, and separation from God. See, Easter has a promise of eternal springtime, of eternal life, for all who will freely accept Jesus' free gift of eternal life. But for those who reject Jesus, or for those who choose not to really follow him, they may get to it later, then eternal life is not their future. Here's my question for you today. What have you chosen? What have you chosen? Can you say, yes, I'm a child of God. I have received the free gift of forgiveness of my sins and eternal life in Jesus. For many of you, that's true. And I and all of heaven rejoices in that. Others of you might say, well, Pastor Rick, I, I, I have chosen Jesus. But my response would be, really? Really? I would ask you today, is there any evidence of that in your life? Is there any evidence that you are following Jesus in your life? Maybe I should say it this way. Would your friends and family say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ because of the way you live? It's very apparent to them. Well, you say, but I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died and he rose again. Isn't, isn't that enough? Listen, if believing were enough, the demons would be saved. James, the brother of Jesus, actually the half-brother of Jesus, wrote to early Christians in a very early document that we have, and it's been included in our Bible. It's called the book of James. And he was challenging people, even in the first century, that belief is not enough. 
that somehow there needs to be evidence of your belief. So this is what he wrote. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now you, turned in, you tuned in to this streaming service today, and it's no accident that you joined us online for this service. I don't wish for any of you to be like the other woman who died on March 14th. She called herself spiritual. She believed in God, and that made her feel good about herself and the life that she lived, for she was a good person. But she didn't have time to do all of that religious stuff. Her life was fine. She felt that she was okay, but it wasn't. Oh, she believed in Jesus, but she never repented of her sins. She believed in Jesus, but she never humbly submitted to following him and obeying his commands. She believed in Jesus, but she never received the free gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life which, she off, which he offered. So how about you today? Are you a follower of Jesus? Really? Would those around you, again, say that you're a follower of Jesus by the way you live? And maybe your heart right now is telling you that no, things are not right. That's the Holy Spirit. Again, it wasn't an accident that you tuned in today. This pandemic has caused a lot of people to tune into religious services. And you've tuned in here. And I'm asking you, are you really a follower of Jesus? And if you say, I'm not certain, I have good news for you, you can become one here in just a moment. But I'm talking to someone else right now. Someone who you are very sure you're not a follower of Jesus by the life that you're currently living, by the life that you have lived. But you tuned in today also, not by accident. And I want to tell you something. You're probably afraid that God, how would God, accept someone like you? I'm here to tell you he will. He loves you. He has always loved you. And he is calling you to become one of his followers. So whether or not you believe in Jesus and consider yourself spiritual or you might believe in Jesus, you might not believe in Jesus, but the life you're leading is not something you're certain God would even accept, I'm here to tell you it can all change today. You don't have to be like the woman on March 14th who died and heard Jesus say, I never knew you. You could be like Jesse who when she breathed her last, was in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus welcomed her into the kingdom and home. Jesus loves you. He will forgive you of your sins if you ask. He will come and actually live inside of you by His Holy Spirit. And if you'd be willing right now to humble yourself, admit that you're not a follower of Jesus, and that you, but that you want to become one, I want to lead you in a very quick prayer. It's not so much about the words you say, it's about the desire of your heart. And if you desire a relationship with Jesus today, just pray this after me. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. Jesus, I confess that I need you and I need to be forgiven. I am willing to submit to you and to follow your ways. Please receive me in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you honestly received Jesus into your heart today, would you let us know? In the comments section, would you just say, hey, Pastor Rick, this is 
John, and I opened my heart to Jesus. Or send a private message if you would prefer that than to have it in the public comments. But let us know if you went on this Easter from darkness to life, from death to life. Now before I go, I want to speak about the winter that our world seems to be in right now. This global pandemic, the financial uncertainty, is a winter time, but spring always conquers winter. You may be feeling despair or hopelessness or fear. This is a winter for our world, and spring is coming. There is a springtime coming, and spring always conquers winter. So take this winter season and plug in deeper with God. Take this winter that our world is going through and let Him speak hope to your heart and life to your heart. Spring is coming. Hang on through this winter. God is still with you. God is there. He loves you and He's walking with you. And maybe during this winter time you're doing okay. I'm happy if you are. Many people are. A lot of others are not. But if you're doing fine, then may I encourage you to do this. If someone else comes to mind, would you reach out to them? Because the people who are hurting oftentimes won't reach out to one another. If you are hurting, if you are fearful, if you are in despair, please reach out. But I happen to know a little bit about human nature. I know a little bit about myself. Usually when I'm hurting, it's when I don't want to bother anybody else. Usually when I'm hurting, I feel like, oh, my problem's not that big. Other people have bigger problems. So if you aren't, then reach out to others. If God brings a name, if God brings a family, if God brings a situation, reach out to them. They probably need to hear a friendly voice. Encourage them. Give them some hope. Pray for them. Spring always conquers winter. Death will conquer life for all believers. That is the good news of Easter. The grave is empty. Jesus Christ went into the tomb in the winter of death and came out of the tomb in the springtime of life. Bless you all today. God loves you. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. 